Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's May 18th and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew Halsbarby and as always, I'm here with Austin Knight. How are you doing, Austin? I'm doing good, Matt. Uh, I'm still in Brazil. I will admit I'm a bit fatter slash heavier than I was last time we spoke. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's a good thing, I imagine. It means you're having a nice time, which is great. Yes, yes. Uh, the bill will come due when I go back home. <laughs> <laughs> well, Godspeed, sir. Uh, hopefully you can pay that bill. May take a few months. Uh, but you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got, we got some beautiful Brazilian sunshine over in, uh, in London. It's, um, oh, all it's been right. beautiful, beautiful weather, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's feeling very Mediterranean, actually, over here for nice. probably today. It's going to probably start raining midway through this recording now. Um, <laughs> but we, we got a lot to dig into today. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a quickfire episode. We're going to talk about Ledger hardware wallets, if you own one. Uh, close your eyes, cover your ears, maybe. Uh, but we are we're going to be digging into some drama surrounding them. Our favorite uh, stablecoin issuer, Teva, is up to some interesting tactics, taking a leaf out of the uh, Terra playbook, it would seem. And then we're going to be talking about some pretty exciting news, I think, for Web three gaming uh, in in general, which we haven't talked about for quite some time. So let's dive into our first story of the day. The big question here is, has Ledger, the hardware wallet manufacturer, just kind of blew up its its reputation? Yeah, this is a real tricky one. I, I keep going back and forth on this. And I'll caveat before I we even dig into this story that I am a big Ledger user. I literally own six Ledger hardware wallets. I, <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's a little bit sensitive i also do I, I maybe i go a little bit over the top uh with my security here but uh yeah i have a lot of wallets um but yeah so this is not the, the news i wanted to hear i've still got my pre-order of the new ledger stacks on this way as well so we can just yeah. call that seven at this point um so the what is ultimately the leading hardware wallet company ledger announced on tuesday they'll be rolling out a new service called ledger recover good news great sure tell me more about it ledger wow this service which i'll call out is opt in it enables users to have their seed phrase broken into three encrypted shards and Ledger sends those to external secure storage companies. And they're all encrypted, right? No, no part of your, your seed phrase is exposed during all this. And the idea here is that you will have a recovery option in the event of losing your seed phrase. <clears throat> I also kind of like this as an idea, like an abstract point of view, mm -hmm. uh, as yeah. an idea for, you know, the whole classic issue of like, what happens if you get hit by a bus tomorrow and who's going to actually be able to figure out how the hell they get to your crypto. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, okay, that's kind of nice, bit better than like a multi-sig type setup. But th this is this is all part of Ledger's plan to onboard non-crypto natives, bring the masses to crypto. And I think it's really the, the kind of crux of this is like, it's, it's going to give individuals added peace of mind. Um, for those of us that have been in the crypto space for a long time now, 
you know, self-custody is is at the, the heart of everything we do. Self-custody scares the hell out of most people. I mean, it still yeah, scares exactly. the hell out of me. Like, yeah. And I think this has very much backfired with that existing user base um, of, of ledgers. And so we'll kind of get into, into why here. So it's, I will say the ledger team has not been doing themselves any favors. I'm not sure if you've seen like, uh, listened in on any of the Twitter spaces, but so the ledger team in particular, their CEO, along with the CTO, but the CEO, wow, he has been on the defensive. He was in a Twitter spaces on Tuesday evening. I, t- I tuned into this, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he basically says he invited all ledger customers to stop using ledger, ledger if they, I quote, do not like the service. It was like, yeah it was a bit of like yikes you know like the pr team were probably dying inside uh when that one uh when that line (laughs) dropped um the crux of the concern from users is that regardless of whether you opt in you know i mentioned this is an opt-in service there is a really deep concern that this is allowed for a backdoor exploit to exist in the device and it's worth noting here that the concern here is that this has always been there, despite claims consistently over the years that your seed phrase never leaves the ledger uh, kind of um, chip, the ledger wallet. That's that's the big one, right? I mean, that's the yeah. thing that really freaked me out when I was reading about this. It's like, oh, wow, this is a huge violation of a large amount of trust that I put into this brand and its products, right? Yeah, because... The, the the important thing about all this, if they've just launched a new wallet and it was called the Ledger Recover Wallet or whatever, and it had mm-hmm. this built into it and you knew that was what it was, there would not be hysteria around this. The problem is this new service, Ledger Recover, it's backwards compatible with so far existing Ledger Nano X devices um <clears throat> glad that's the majority of the ledgers that i own uh <laughs> through through all it takes is a simple firmware upgrade so if this can be done with a firmware upgrade it was always possible right like the, the that that is that that is almost the definition of like what a kind of honeypot or backdoor is so the cto um Charles, oh my goodness me, I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly. He's French. Uh, Gilles May, <laughs> I'm going to say. That's what we'll go for. Uh, so uh, Charles Gilles May said that, I quote, there is no backdoor for anyone, neither us, a provider or even a very gifted hacker to access it. Th- this quote, I feel, is going to be uh, a meme in the future state when the ledger devices are exploited at some point in time. And <clears throat> I saw this morning, actually, that the ledger support Twitter actually completely uh, contradicted this. Um, and I, I, I actually don't have the tweet on me anymore, but I'm sure you'd be able to kind of uh, see it at some point where they basically said, like, look, this has always been a possibility. It's just we decided that we would not enable it. So it's just, you know, it's a bit of a dumpster fire there in terms of the comms team. Um, And, you know, lots of people on crypto Twitter had suggested that Ledger actually just create a new product that's exclusively used with Ledger Recover. But 
that they are uncompromising this, uh, uncompromising on it. So it's worth calling out on top of that, that Ledger not that long ago raised a pretty big round of funding. I, okay, I might be slightly wrong on this. I think it was around about the hundred million mark. And this is clearly about them going after the masses. And the challenge that Ledger faces, along with, to be honest, any wallet uh, and anyone in the business of crypto security is they are trying to pursue their mission to onboard non-crypto natives, onboard the masses without compromising their security. And I, the thing that kind of worries me here is when we when we zoom out a little bit, Austin, and we get a, get away from just Ledger, these two things seems to be at odds with one another. And it's mm-hmm. really, really challenging to solve some of this. My personal feeling after spending a bit of time thinking about this is I'm actually not that worried. I still think that this is more secure than many other options, right? It's like categorically mm-hmm. more secure than just a hot wallet in your MetaMask. Paper wallets, yes, but my goodness, they're a pain in the ass. I, I lived using exclusively pa- paper wallets uh, up until around about 2019. And it's just a giant pain in the ass. And it's there's there's downsides to when you how you create them in the first place, stuff like mm-hmm. that with the wallet generators and stuff. So it just seems like there's no great options. I guess we're just going to have to store them on centralized exchanges. Is that the answer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that's the answer. But yeah, to your point, Matt, I can empathize with the Ledger team to an extent here, at least to the extent of the challenge that they're up against and how legitimate that challenge really is and and how much it's something that is not really just theirs to bear, Um, which is to say that if we want this to become, you know, a legitimately adopted, broadly adopted and used piece of technology, we're talking about, you know, cryptocurrency in this case, um, it, it does have to be accessible. And the reality is that, that this isn't unique to crypto. Any form of technology is going to exist on a gradient of uh, security plus inaccessibility versus um, you know risk plus accessibility, right? Or convenience mm-hmm. or however you want to put it. And the question is, where do you feel that you want to sit on that gradient? And where does someone else feel that they need to sit on that gradient? Depending on your, you know, uh, tech, tech savviness or ability, um, you may be more to the side of, I want higher security at the expense of lower accessibility because I'm more comfortable with figuring out how to access something and manage something entirely on my own. And let's be real here, also take on the very real risk that I screw that up, right? Yeah. There is risk on that sort of more air quote secure side of the gradient, which you could argue is like maybe even more substantial risk than some type of external attack. I know that's, that that's my not math. a very popular thing to say, but uh, yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I actually do agree with you. And yeah, like some people will say that's a hot take, but I do agree with you there. I don't trust myself anywhere near as much as I trust maybe some other companies to kind of manage this. I like make routine mistakes in general security all the time. And yeah, I think that's kind of the trade-off. I think the problem in all of this is actually not really even the Recover product. I actually think the Recover product Mm -hmm. is a great idea. I I, I think it's a great idea. 
I think the problem is this has been baked into all of their exactly. existing products. And as Ledger customer, like from myself, I feel lied to and mm-hmm. it's just damaged a lot of their goodwill. I think a lot of people have been touting kind of moving to Trezor. My initial worry was like, well, you know, if, if Ledger are doing this, maybe a, a lot of others are doing it. Trezor are open source. So if you are looking for alternatives, Trezor are open source. The, the, the kind of the pro argument there is, well, because they're open source, unlike Ledger being a black box, you'd be able to see and we would be able to understand and see, which I'm sure people are sleuthing through the code right now, whether they have something like this built into it. Um, but yeah, it's still it's still not perfect. I think this is going to be an ongoing saga and it's, I don't know how well they're going to recover uh, from, from this. I guess the I bet is totally that they're right going to go after I, I new customers. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're trying to do here. I think that you're totally right, though, that this is a huge product strategy blunder. Um, Whoever is the PM or group of PMs that that came up with a backwards compatibility idea, I really think that they're probably going to be under the microscope right now. Because fundamentally, at least from my point of view, if you're going after non-crypto natives, um, I, I don't see why backwards compatibility would play into that strategy at all. And in fact, I would view Ledger Recover as not only something that you could offer and a new product to go after non-crypto natives, but actually maybe as a selling point for an entire new product or product line that would be marketed more to the masses, while at the same time not putting at risk the, 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 the contract that you have you know, from my point of view, it's like it's this implied contract or in some ways explicit contract. I was going to say, it's not even implied, yeah. right? This is this is explicit in, in many respects. Yeah. Um, this contract of trust that you have with your existing, you know, Ledger Nano X users. Um, that's that's something that I, I really think is paramount here. And also, I mean, let's be real. The even though um your sort of crypto natives and your early adopters may not represent the largest market share in the grand scheme of things. If you were to go after non-crypto natives, they do represent tastemakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the time, the the broad adoption will follow from sort of recommendations or points of view that your more tech savvy users have. And so far, Ledger has really, really done a good job of earning that critical group's trust. And that is where I think the problem lies for them here is that by kind of deprioritizing that group in in you know search of a much larger market share, they, I think they've really taken a huge hit to their brand. I don't know how long it'll stick. That's going to be the interesting yeah. thing to watch. I agree. I, I think like, you know, the, the, the equivalent that I would compare this to is I look at Ledger and I think, you know, these are the Apple of the, the kind of crypto hardware space and they're pivoting to becoming the meta, right? And, you know, it's like, uh, they're, they're two different crowds and different brands in, in many different ways, but we'll have to see how they kind of rebound from this. But it's uh, I don't see them pulling back on the product anytime soon. And I think it's way yeah. past that at this point. They, they basically have to double down now. Um, so we'll see. Well, from that bombshell to another, uh, let's jump into our second story of the day. 
Tether is saying that it will buy Bitcoin for its stablecoin reserves. That's right. Steady starting lads. this month. Steady lads. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so you love to see it. Um, so yeah, starting this month, Tether, Tether is going to begin regularly buying Bitcoin for its stablecoin reserves. They're saying that they plan to allocate 15% of their realized profits from their investments to this. This excludes any unrealized price appreciation on reserve assets. But they will mm. add the Bitcoin tokens to the reserve surplus that they have, and they will actually be custodying this Bitcoin on their own without using any third-party custodians. Why is this a big deal? Well, Tether is currently the largest stablecoin. They've issued $82 billion in USDT. They hold $1.5 billion of Bitcoin already in reserves mm. and $3.4 billion of gold in reserves, huge reserves. I didn't. I 80, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. They well, that actually just came to light very recently, uh, sort of yeah. as part of this same announcement. Uh, and eighty-five percent of their reserves are held in cash and cash-like assets, such as U.S. Treasury bonds. Uh, so this growth of investments in BTC. And using it for reserves is obviously a big move for them. USDT circulation has grown 24% this year amid the crisis with Circle's USDC and the banking collapses and everything like that. A lot of that sort of money has flooded over to Tether. Uh, And yeah, what they're trying to do here, according to them, is strengthen and diversify their stablecoin reserves while capitalizing on the price appreciation from their investments here. What do you think of this, Matt? Well, I I have a couple of views here. So I'll start with the good parts of this. I think the good piece is that their plan is to allocate kind of 50% of their realized profits, Mm -hmm. right, from investments. So they're they're excluding, excluding any unrealized kind of like appreciation. So we're not saying, okay, 15% of all of the the reserves backing Tether a Bitcoin. That's really bad. That's actually what um, Terra uh, did, right? And you know, then you've got huge market risk exposure, and where mm-hmm. you can kind of create downward cycles. And one Tether doesn't equal one dollar at that point. And what I what I appreciate uh, uh, as well is, you know, it's really really hard to hold enough backing in kind of cash and cash-like assets to the tone of $82 billion. Like what, 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 sometimes it baffles me when people just don't realize like you you can't actually hold $82 billion in cash. It's just like, (laughs) there's nothing like you can barely hold a billion, right? So like these largely are short duration treasury bills. Right. Even like max, probably 30 day treasury bills, you can't even be doing a lot of like long duration stuff. Otherwise, you end up getting into, you know, like an SVB uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Now, so here's, here's the thing I don't like. Let's just cut to the chase. This is not about strengthening and diversifying the stablecoin reserves. This is a pure profit making activity. And what do I not want from the foundation and bedrock of crypto, which, like it or not, is Tether, right? Tether goes down, whoa, that, that is a really, really bad, bad day 
it would be the most catastrophic event that we had ever seen in crypto. And I'm not saying that that is going to happen, just to be very, very clear. But what what uh, what I am saying is I just would rather that company not be so focused on operating like an investment fund and much more just like a stable bank. Uh, so I think there's like a few pieces in there. Um, I don't love this. I don't hate it. If they pump my Bitcoin bags, I will like it periodically. Uh, but, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, um, I don't know. I just, I guess I, I have a healthy skepticism that what I'm being told is not what's actually truly happening. Um, and I just want to make sure that whatever is kind of happened here with that, there should just be a lot more oversight. And with Tether, it is a bit of a black box. So I'm just more than anything nervous, not necessarily about the facts that they're telling us, but whether those are truly the facts. Yeah, it's, I, I totally agree. This is one to, to definitely keep an eye on. Anyway, from the world of stablecoins over to the world of Web3 games, let's talk about Axie Infinity up next. So we talked quite a lot about Web3 gaming over the past kind of year, but it's been quite a while. It's been uh, a tough time to be in the, the Web3 gaming space. I knew that myself and my time spent in there. And one of the big challenges, and we talked about this in the broader NFT situation, is the App Store. We saw this with Coinbase's um, app getting kind of like rejected inside the the App Store, them not being able to do like facilitating NFT trades, and Apple just not budging on this. Well, Apple, in... (sighs) in all honesty, a very surprising move. A couple of days ago, accepted Axie Infinity, who are definitely uh, the largest native Web3 game, um, their new Origins game, which is kind of like a trading card style game, which uses NFTs within the game, and they have allowed it to come in onto the App Store. It's going to initially launch in what is actually Axie's key markets, um, a few different regions in LATAM and Asia. Um, I think this personally is a big step forward for Web3 Gaming. I tweeted about this uh, yesterday or the day before, and you know everyone was very excited. But uh, you know, it's largely Web3 Games have been blocked from entering the App Store. Most crypto uh, transaction-focused apps completely blocked from the App Store, um, and I think this could point to a slow shift in approach from Apple around crypto as a whole. And I think if Axie manages to drive some wider adoption via their app, which I, I would I would envision they would, it could turn out to honestly be one of like the best crypto comeback stories we've had to date, considering it was actually only last year that they suffered that $625 million exploit of the um, the bridge on their Ronin blockchain, mm-hmm. which I remember we were doing the episode and we were like, well, Axie's dead. Uh, that's it. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. like it was monumental and in the midst of existing chaos as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be really exciting to see if this creates some hype around Web3 gaming in the short term. I would love to see that. I, I, I know personally so many great teams building um, and have continued to build exciting experiences that I really do see as being the kind of 
gateway drug into into web3 uh in the positive sense for 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 many people and gives people a reason to start kind of playing around without just needing to focus on financial derivatives etc cetera, etc cetera. so i i feel positive about this it it feels like a step in the right direction we'll see if apple I, brings back brings down the hammer though right yeah yeah i totally agree though i mean i i think that this is a really positive sign especially for it to be happening outside of a hype cycle indicates yes. that you know apple is thinking about this in a sober-minded way which of course they're very good at doing very 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 conservative company right mm. so um to to get their blessing to be in the app store i have to imagine that apple has spent quite a lot of time sort of combing through the app working with the team directly right something big like this um, yeah. It's not something that sort of just goes through automated processes with, you know, a, a few like QA and compliance checkers and things like that. This is a lot of I, I would, Yeah, I would surmise that this is going actually up to executive level approvals, right? No um, doubt. Because it's such a big deal. So that's a positive sign. And if we're able to see more of this, um, you know, more Web3 games and uh, related apps making their way into the app store, obviously that's going to increase mainstream adoption, but it also might put sort of some positive incentive loops into place to be, you know, a good actor in the space and also for traditional tech to, you know, find itself more involved, et cetera, et cetera. Completely agree. I think we'll, I'm going to, I'm going to start kind of pulse checking the sentiment around the web three gaming space and see uh, if people are going to start shifting their approach to going a bit more towards the app store and we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get some guests on to talk a little bit about it in the coming weeks. But until then, Austin, I will see you next week for another wonderful episode of the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. See you then, Matt. Talk to you then, Matt. Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.